0: And we're going to turn to the book of Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse number 21. I love this season of the year. I know uh, Merle Haggard made a lot of money singing about if he could just make it through December. And I don't want to live like that. This is a great time of the year. I know it's busy, but we need to find a way to slow down a little bit and enjoy what this time of year is really all about. I am so thankful that the Lord came into our world as broken and as messed up as it was. He came anyway, and he came for me. He came for you. Praise God. That ought to make you happy tonight. Even if you don't have enough gifts to give at Christmas, he gave the greatest gift, and you can have that for free. Amen. You can enjoy that tonight and not go home feeling bad about it. You can indulge yourself in it and never feel guilty about indulging yourself. Amen. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 21, we're going to begin reading down through verse number 29. And when the and when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus. Which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Behold, and behold, and behold. Significant statement. This was not an accident. It was not an incident. It was purposed. And behold, at that moment, when Mary and Joseph brought that child into the temple for the purpose of fulfilling the law and behold there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and of the same man was or, and, and the same man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, the Lord, now letteth thou servant depart in peace. For mine eyes, mine eyes have seen something. I've seen something. I've experienced something. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. Verse 30, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Praise God. I want to talk to you for a little while tonight about the most excruciating experience, life's most excruciating experience. Amen. Life's most excruciating experience. And if you can... If you can endure it, you will see the salvation of the Lord. Amen. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I think it's obvious to everybody that has any kind of common sense that we live in a restless and an impatient age. Something uh, that affects all of us, and many of us are doubly blessed with it, impatience. Amen. I thought I'd at least get a amen out of some of you good people because you know somebody that's impatient. If something's not happening, we're going to make it happen. We're going to do something even if it's wrong. We're not used to waiting. Our, our culture is one that measures everything by the basis of speed and response time. And we're all affected by it. We like instant food or instant information. And if we don't get it, we keep pushing that button on that computer keyboard until something happens. Or we clear our throat in the drive through line to make sure they know we're out there. And if that's not good enough, hey, anybody in there? Now, I know I'm the only one that does that, but... Of all the things that we do poorly... Waiting has to be at the top of the list. It is perhaps the hardest, most difficult thing to do in life is to wait. Let's face it. None of us like. Does anybody like having to wait? Now, some of you, I see your halo tilted right now. And you got that smug look on your face like you enjoy waiting. And I need you to come first to the altar tonight because all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. None of us, none of us are good at waiting. There are no good waiters. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that right now. There are no good waiters. It's not something that we're good at and we don't want to get good at it. Can I get a witness? And yet we are called to do a lot of it in life. Most of us have little patience for it because we feel like we have to be doing something. We have to have answers. We have to be active. If not, something's wrong. And yet the discipline of waiting is written large in the life of God's people. If you don't believe that, go back to Genesis and start there with Adam and Eve. And you will soon find that life is made up of waiting. Eve was given a promise. Adam was given a promise that there would be a seed that would come that would bruise the head of the serpent. And when Eve conceived, if you look at her statement in seeing that child that was given to her, she felt like that was going to be fulfilled. And yet Messiah would not come for several thousand years. If you don't believe that waiting is a large part of our life and journey, ask Abraham. God waits until he's 75 to call him. And then he waits another 25 years before he gives him the power to even bear a child. If you don't believe that waiting is part of our life, ask Joseph. Joseph was given a dream as a young boy. How young, we do not know. But at some point, he shared that dream. And the rest of his story is history. But it was a long time before that dream was fulfilled. You see, in God's economy, God doesn't operate by minutes. He operates by millennia, which means he's not on a clock at least not ours. There is a time, but it's his time. If you don't believe that waiting is part of our life journey, then ask David. He was anointed as a shepherd boy, but he wouldn't rule as a king for many, many years to come. Some 160 times in Scripture, the word wait or its tenses are used. Not even thinking in regards to other words that could be used for wait, just the word wait, waited, waiting, waiteth is used 160 times in scripture. Waiting is everyone's portion. Everybody in this building tonight is waiting on something waiting on a fever to turn, waiting on the right person to show up in your life, waiting on the prodigal to come home, waiting on a rebound, waiting on the tide to turn, waiting on the harvest to come, waiting for a change, waiting for a healing, waiting for a prayer to be answered, waiting on a promise to be fulfilled, waiting on a job to materialize, waiting on a child to grow up, Waiting on a child. I better not say that. Waiting on the resolution of a long-standing problem. All of us are waiting on something. Some of you are waiting on me to get through. And that's the most excruciating thing in life. Because a preacher is never through. Here's the truth. You and I can miss our moment. You hear me tonight. You and I can miss our moment. We can miss our Messiah. We can even miss our mission if we don't learn how to wait. If we don't learn what waiting is and what its purpose in our life is for. So let me define wait scripturally. And I'm going to begin by telling you what waiting is not. Waiting is not passive inactivity. Waiting is not just becoming some complacent fly on the wall or bump on a log or wart on, that's, that is not waiting. Waiting is not just killing time until time comes. It is never wasted time. It is not inactivity in any measure. Waiting is not a futile and desperate act of those who have no other option. Rather, it is a confident trust in God that at some point in my life, he is going to set it right. He's going to do what he said he would do. He's going to fulfill every promise he has made me. Old Testament the word wait means to 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 be silent it means stillness quiet to trust or adhere to patient hopeful stay tarry stand abide all of those are words that are descriptive of Old Testament biblical waiting. It went on to mean expecting or to expect or to look. And so in the Old Testament, it spoke of the direction of your vision. Waiting in the Old Testament speaks of the direction of your vision. In the New Testament, it is defined in a more pronounced way, and it comes from a word that I would not dare try to pronounce. My brother could do it for you, but I'm going to spell it for you, and you'll understand after I spell it to you why I'm not going to try to pronounce it. P-R-O-S-D-E-K-H-O-M-A-H-E-E. Now, I listened to my computer pronounce it earlier and I thought I could do it, but I don't have the guts to do it right now because. But what I want you to understand about that word is that it's made up of two words pros, P R O S, and deco, D E K H O. P R O S, pros, is a preposition of direction, meaning toward or to expect, or look toward, and D-E-K-H-O, deco, means to think, to think, to be of an opinion of something, to anticipate in your thoughts. So New Testament waiting is a readiness with a purpose in view, and it is a Forward thinking, it is not just looking into the future or looking into uh, with, with expectation, but it is thinking in those terms as well. So when you combine them, when we talk about waiting on God, we are talking about the direction that we point our life And it's always towards something better than where we are presently. Thinking that is toward better than where we are presently. Somebody say, I'm waiting. So fruitful waiting is about the direction of your mind and the direction of your eyes. It's about looking forward and thinking forward and keeping your thoughts pointed in the right direction. Our text tonight is from the Christmas story, and it is of a man by the name of Simeon. Most of the scholars say that we really don't know a lot about him. There's much speculation, but there is no proof of it, of exactly who Simeon was But we can surmise and we can deduct from reading scripture that he was an older man and according to what I've read, his age could vary anywhere from 113 to 200 plus years of age. Now I know that's hard for us to fathom somebody living that long, but he was was an older man. I hate to call him an old man, but 113 sounds pretty old to me and 200 sounds even older the greatest thing that could be said about him is that he waited everybody say he waited he waited he walked in the spirit and he waited somehow i feel like those two are tied together intrinsically that if you're going to see the promise of God fulfilled in your life, you're going to have to learn how to walk in the Spirit, and you're going to have to learn how to wait on God. Amen. Simeon was given a promise. The promise was that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Christ, before he saw the Messiah. And he lived a long time, a long time, Simeon was of the priesthood, so that meant he was born in the home of a priest. So that meant that he was raised up around the ministry all of his life. Now, when he began to hear about Messiah is debatable, but I would dare say that if his father, who was a priest before him, had done his priestly duty, I would say that from an infant, He was being told that Messiah is coming. Messiah is coming. Messiah is coming. And so he grows up with this knowledge and understanding that Messiah is coming, but God does him one better. God comes one day and some way, in some form, speaks to him and said, Simeon, you are not going to see death until you see the Lord's Christ. We don't even we don't know when that happened, but if he's 113 at youngest, and 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 let's say Dad started as an infant, and and then when he became a man, which was considered in in Jewish. Society, maybe 33 years of age when he would begin his ministry. Am I right? Somewhere in the 30s? Somewhere along that line? So somewhere in at least, at a minimum, he has lived a hundred years with a promise. You're going to see the Messiah. Now, do you understand how many days are in a hundred years? 365 times a hundred. Now, I don't know how many times Simeon had to serve in the temple. I understand I. I and, and my brother can correct me, but they worked in cycles, so they were not there all the time, but they had season, they had periods of time they had a they had a window that they worked, but they were regularly there doing the work of ministry in the temple. Whatever he did, we don't really know; we just know that he was there, but for a hundred years, he came to church every day, anticipating. Because the Bible said he was waiting. And waiting means he was looking forward. He was expectant. And New Testament waiting says he was even thinking forward. He came to church a long, 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 long time before his prayer was ever answered and his promise ever came to pass. And some of us, If God doesn't answer us in the next week, we start backsliding. We start getting cold and indifferent. We quit praying. But God talked to me about Simeon last night. He talked to me about Simeon today. And he talked to me about what it takes to live through the wait. What do you do when God has you on hold? What do you do when God has you waiting for your answer? Frustration is certainly not the best way to live and it's not the best plan God has for you. And certainly being fearful that maybe God didn't mean what he said or God didn't really intend for it to be me or mine. And yet... Simeon was able to live and be faithful and be spiritual. Do you know how carnal some of us get when we have to wait? I'll tell you, you go home tonight and before you get home, you pull through Taco Bell or you pull through McDonald's and they take more than a minute to answer you and we'll see how spiritual you are when they answer you. But Simeon waited for at least a hundred years, and he was spiritual in that wait. Woo, man, that's heavy. You know why he was spiritual? Because he was prayerful. You cannot remain spiritual if you don't pray. Do you hear me? I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how gifted you are. I don't care how cool you are. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care who you think you are. You cannot be a spiritual person and not pray. And if we don't learn that, we're going to stumble through some of the time and we're going to miss our promise because we weren't where we needed to be when God decided today's a day. I I can, in my mind, I can see Simeon coming to church on Sunday. This is the day. It's going to happen today. I know it is. God told me he's going. God promised he's, I'm going to see it. Today's the day. He gets to church. He goes through the whole worship service. He goes through all the preaching, altar call. God still hadn't shown up. Still just the same crew. Same people he saw last week. So he goes back home. And he comes back again the next time. Man, he did that for a long time before God finally decided, okay, today's the day. Brother, brother I was sharing this with Brother Chris, Christopher today. And he told me, he, he said, oh, let me tell you. He said a friend of mine had a cousin years ago, lived up in, I believe in, in Virginia, somewhere up on the East Coast. And he and his wife had played the lottery. And I'm not advocating lottery, so don't take, don't take this out of context tonight. If you do play the lottery, just make sure you pay tithes if you win. But anyway, I'm just joking. You know what's crazy? This is crazy. This is completely off the grid. But some of the most, some of the most conservative churches and people I know of, well, I better not go there. So anyway, they played the lottery religiously, and they used the same set of numbers every time they played, every week. They used the same numbers every week, same number, every week, same number. For years, they played the lottery. And one day, while he's sitting in there watching TV with his buddies, Watching the football game, his wife comes bounding in the front door, just screaming at the top of her voice, We won! We won! We won! We won! And her husband, half drunk, all of a sudden sobered up and realized that he was too busy watching the football game to go put his money down on the lottery ticket that day. And that was his day. The point is, Simeon went to a lot of church before God decided to give him what he promised him. No wonder Paul said, do not be weary in well-doing, for you shall reap if you faint not. And Simeon has gone a long, 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 long longer than any of us, as much as you may feel like, well, I've waited so long for my promise. Ha! Come on, folks. Who's the oldest person? Well, I won't ask that either, but a hundred plus years he's waiting on a promise. And I may be a little wrong, but I mean, even if he had to wait 75 years, that's still a long time. And he's serving in the place where God's going to show up. Now, obviously, he must be because the Scripture said, you're going to see the Lord's crowd. You're going to see the Messiah. And then one day, all that waiting paid off. Amen. All that waiting paid off because the Scripture said, and behold, on that day, At that moment, folks, I'm going to tell you something. You don't ever know what you're going to miss when you choose. I'm not saying you're you're out because you're sick, but you choose. You know what? I just don't feel like going to church today. I don't feel like worshiping today. I'm tired. I'm wore out. I'm too aggravated. I'm too annoyed. I'm too frustrated. You never know what you could miss by not engaging in the Spirit every occasion that you have. Because that day, God said, all right, you've waited long enough. Amen. Waiting, what's it look like? How do do you keep faith alive while you wait? I tell you what I believe, you don't ever give up on what God gives you, no matter how long you have to wait. Amen. Listen to me. God spoke this to me today, and it so profoundly impacted my life, I had to to take a breath. Dying in faith is better than living or giving up in hopelessness because you don't see what you wanted to see. This is what Scripture says in Hebrews 11. These all died in faith, not having received the promise. They didn't ever get it. But the Lord said, it's better that you die in faith then give up on this journey of life. You will not wait on God in vain. Number two, Simeon taught us what to do when you're waiting. You keep serving. You keep serving. You keep praying. You keep Worshiping, you keep being faithful, you keep going to church. Even when you don't feel it, even when you don't think it's necessary, you never know what the next service may produce. <laughs> The third thing that Simeon teaches me about waiting is that you give it your best every day, no matter what the day may be. Give God your best whether you have an answer or not. Serve with consistency. Live holy. Live separated. Keep worshiping. Keep being faithful. Do your job. What is my job? My job is to be a worshiper. My job is to come into this place and exalt him because worship is not about me. It's not about how I feel. It's not about whether I think I deserve to do this or not. It's not about whether I'm married. It's not about whether I've lived right or not. Worship is about him, and it is exalting him to that place where he belongs in our life, and when we exalt him there, we're going to see the Lord's salvation. Amen. Number four, we live with the mystery, but we enjoy his majesty anyway. Living in longing is much better than living languishing. Celebrate the little victories that come along. You know what I've learned about life? is that if you don't learn how to celebrate the little things, you'll never figure out what to do when the big thing happens. Amen. Without a willingness to wait, you and I will frustrate ourselves with the slowness of God because God operates at a different speed than we do. Amen. We become disillusioned. People become angry. There are people tonight that are angry because of things that were prophesied over their lives that have not come to pass. And I'm speaking to some of you right now that things have been prophesied over your life and you've lived five years, 10 years or whatever, a long period of time and that prophecy has not come to pass. And you're thinking, I don't know if they meant what they said. I don't know if God, I don't know if that was God or not. And Simeon tells me tonight, hey, you Hang on to a prophecy, no matter how crazy it may seem, and no matter how far-fetched it may appear, because God will keep His word concerning your life. Amen. Amen. Simeon lived with the promise that before he saw death, he would look into the face of his Savior, his Messiah. Amen. This is what's so amazing to me. And I think this is where some of us miss it when God shows up in our life. When God finally decided this is the day. When God's time clock ticked over that last second. And Simeon's where he's supposed to be doing what he's always done, being faithful, praying, worshiping, helping others get into the temple to do what they came to do and doing his service to the Lord. In walks this couple with a little baby. With just a baby. And yet when Simeon saw the baby, He saw the Lord's Christ. This is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, the reason so many of you do not ever enjoy the fullness of my blessing is because you will not accept the package that I send it in. And because you're looking for some full-blown blessing that's just gonna rock your whole world and turn your world upside down and fill your bank account that when God sends a $5 blessing your way, you've never learned how to stop and say, thank you, Lord, this is it. This is the promise being fulfilled in my life. Many times our answers come in forms that we are not looking for. And if we're not careful, we can miss what God has orchestrated to usher in something brand new in our life. We wait for the full-blown grown-up blessing. And if you don't believe that, That's the reason the rest of the world missed him. That's the reason that all of the wise men of Jerusalem missed him. That's the reason there was no room for him in the end because they weren't looking for a baby Messiah. They were looking for a full-grown Messiah that would come riding in with regal royalty and with power and just decimate and break the Roman rule and put Jerusalem and Israel back where they belonged. And when he came into the world in a little package of a baby, they didn't have time. They couldn't believe. But when Simeon, you know, that's what happens when you walk in the spirit and when you're faithful and when you worship, even when you don't feel like it. And you come to church, even when you feel like, well, what's the difference of what's a day going to make? What difference will it make anyway? when you keep doing what you're supposed to do and you're faithful to your calling and you're where you're supposed to be, God's gonna do some things in your life that's gonna blow your mind. And if you can understand that it doesn't matter how God sends it or in what form God sends it, you need to learn how to embrace the blessings of God and you need to let faith look forward and see beyond the moment. You see, that's the thing about God's waiting. When you're God waiting, you're not looking right here. You're looking forward. And I somehow feel like that when when, when Simeon held the baby, he saw the full grown man. He saw the Messiah hanging on a tree. He saw the resurrected Lord coming down the road. But if you don't learn how to embrace the baby, if you don't learn how to appreciate the little stuff God sends in your life, you're going to wait a long time and die frustrated because God didn't keep his word. Amen. You gotta see a, a cloud that's only the size of a man's hand and start running on just that. Start rejoicing over just that. Well what if it doesn't well what if? Come on, folks. Has God not has God never kept his word? Can you find anywhere where he never kept his word? Have you ever found anywhere in here where God lied? You ever found anywhere in here where God couldn't do what he said he was going to do? <laughs> Woo! Hey, listen, this is what Simeon taught me last night. You keep doing the ordinary Until the extraordinary shows up. (laughs) Yeah, it's just windy night. But this is my night to serve him. This is my night to worship him. And when you start learning how to do the ordinary stuff consistently, God will send the extraordinary blessing. You know what? Waiting is not an easy thing to do. It's the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And I'm still learning. 400 years there was no prophet that arose to revive their hope Simeon came along and got a word from the Lord that he was going to see it and he kept coming until he did maybe that's what we need to do we just need to keep doing it until we see it keep going to the house of God keep worshiping the next time could be your time tonight could be my night amen today could be my day you see waiting is often the best service that i can render to my lord amen that's hard for us to even grasp but it's sometimes the best service waiting you see this is what waiting does waiting reveals who we are whether we are a person of faith or a person of fear a person of belief, or a person of doubt. Waiting is all about timing, not ours, but God's. It's learning God's time is not necessarily my time. God more often works in ways that we are not expecting, but if we can just trust him, God will work. Waiting is about teaching us. It's about teaching, learning the lessons of life that develop the character in us that God is trying to develop. Do you know what? If you go back and study all of the great characters of Scripture that God made to wait, you will find that always in that waiting period, God was doing something in their life. He was developing a character that was going to be needed when that promise came and in our lives as well that when we are made to wait God is trying to develop something in us and teach us something that will help us I love what Hebrews 5 8 and 9 said though he were a son yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered and being made perfect he was made perfect by the things that he suffered we are made perfect by the things we have to wait on and to be made more like him 2 Corinthians 12 and 9 said, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect. My strength is made perfect in weakness, in your weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I want to tell you, folks. He's worth the wait. Amen. Can you imagine what that must have felt like for Simeon? 100 years or whatever, 70 or 60 years or 30 years. I mean, some of you can't wait five minutes. You, I don't mean to be that personal, but I'm, I'm in that you business too. I'm, I'm part of that group five minutes we just get impatient we're just we're ready we're demanding answers and yet Simeon had waited all this time and and then on this day Mary and Joseph come walking in with a little baby this is what waiting does waiting exposes this truth that you and I are not in control of life but God is And you and I can trust him to do the right thing at the right time. (laughs) Always be on time. It's about surrendering my life. It's surrendering my control to him. It's giving God the keys to my life and saying, God, here, my will, my desire, my plans, they're yours. Waiting tests what we know and what we believe. And waiting, most importantly, helps us to learn something about ourselves that we need to know so that we can become more like him. Amen. I'm so thankful that the Scripture says that Simeon was waiting. Amen. He was waiting. He was waiting. Praise God. If you're, if you're frustrated tonight because something hasn't come to pass, Why don't you let God just be God? Maybe it's not time. Maybe you're not ready for it. Maybe you're not as close to God as you think you are. Hey, that's why God puts critics in your life, and that's why he puts people in your life that don't always agree with you, not so you can get mad and angry and say, they don't ever agree with me, but maybe they're trying to give you another perspective on life, or maybe God's using them to help you get a better perspective on life so that you can step back and say, okay, what's wrong with this picture? And learn something that will help move you closer to god's divine purpose for your life and i believe that every day simeon waited he learned something more about god so that when god's promise came to pass can you imagine what that must have been like you know what happened to him he started prophesying Read it. I didn't read that part of it, but because of what he experienced, he didn't just, here's the great part about God will blow your mind. God will give you more than you expected or anticipated. He said, God said, I'm going to let you see my anointed. But when the day came, God said, hey, you've been so faithful to me. I've watched your service day in and day out. I've seen how consistent you are. You're not only going to get to see him, you're going to get to hold him. (laughs) he cradles that little baby in his arms, and when he starts cradling that promise, he starts prophesying. Hey, let me tell you about this child. Let me tell you where he's going. Let me tell you what he's going to do. And that's what will happen to every one of us if we'll just keep waiting. Amen. Stand with me. How do you keep faith alive? You do what Simeon did. The most difficult thing in life to do is wait. And yet what you do while you wait is so critical to what God can do in your life. I think very important that I'm, I'm not close without saying this, that I believe part of Simeon's success in waiting was that you have to stay focused on the promise, not distracted by the problem of time. Can I say that again? You have to stay focused on the promise and not be distracted by the problem of time. How long, O oh Lord? Watchmen, what of the night? What, 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 what of the night? Amen. All of us want to know. But more than me knowing the time, for me to know the keeper of the time. Amen. And if I know the keeper of the time, I know that when the time is right, God will unfold that promise. He will bring to pass everything he has said. So in the meantime, I'm going to grow. I'm going to wait, I'm going to worship, I'm going to pray, I'm going to be faithful, I'm going to be consistent, I'm going to be an encourager. Do you know how many times Simeon had to have come into the temple with his heart heavy because he hadn't seen God's promise yet? And yet he sees some pilgrim that comes journeying from a long distance with his sacrifice. And, and, oh, come on, it's so good to see you in the house of the Lord today. He becomes an encourager of the brethren. Now, I may just be imagining, but I feel like Simeon had something that we need to get hold of. Amen. Be an encourager and be a worshiper and, and keep praying. Oh, my goodness, don't ever stop praying don't ever stop walking by faith amen being in the spirit and seeing the supernatural are all interconnected and if you want to see the glory of God you want to see the salvation of the Lord walk work work on your walking in the spirit amen and when you do that Paul said you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh and you know what the lust of the flesh is Anger and envy and strife, and malice, and bitterness, all that stuff that we wrestle with when we don't get what we want. Whew, hallelujah. And somebody said amen. God help him to shut up right now. Amen. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his his word, just to rest upon upon
1: his promise,
0: promise. just Just to to know the Savior, the Lord Jesus.